The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the College Ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, for the 2016 New Year's Conference. More information about New Year's Conference can be found at newyearsconference.com. We're talking about uh, evangelism. I've had such a, before we get into I've had such a great time today. I just thank you guys so much. Thank you for uh, welcoming me, and uh, now my, my sweetheart wife's around here somewhere, so I hope you get a chance to uh, say hi to her as well. Um, it's been a great, great day. I hope you are encouraged and hope you're looking forward to having a lot of fun uh, tonight as we continue to enjoy each other and exalt Christ. Um, let me pray for us, uh, pray for stamina as we jump into uh, this very important topic of, of sharing our faith, of evangelism. Bow your heads, please. Lord Jesus, thank you for uh, the opportunity to engage uh, your world and to um, connect individuals with the great act that you cre- you did on the cross uh, through proclaiming uh, your truth to the world. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to, to see how you use it in our own lives. Uh, we pray uh, that during this time you will continue to encourage us, uh, give us uh, practical steps, uh, move in our hearts, uh, that we would be just impassioned to be men and women who proclaim the good news of Christ, for the good news is truly good news. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we're looking at Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Uh, this morning we looked at, uh, and Jesus, it says in verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Um, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. So you have uh, within this text here, it says, then baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so in this text here, it looks like there are many uh, different uh, verbs. But what you have here is you have one main verb, make disciples. Uh, we talked about the reality of God saying all authority has been given to me and what that means. And then what you have is after you have make disciples being the only imperative, uh, he gives us uh, three adjectival participles, which helps us understand how to actually make disciples. And so we're going to talk about what uh, we have, go, therefore. And so in some, in some of your translations, it might be like, while going, make, or go, therefore, and make. And his point there is that I'm assuming uh, that you are going if you are my disciples. And he says, make disciples of all nations. And he uses his word, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Baptizo. So he uses this word baptizo because in there he's talking baptizo uh, actually means uh, immersion or identification, as it were. And so the whole concept is that it has an evangelistic uh, tint to it. It has an evangelistic call to it because what he's saying is that basically before you and I are saved by Jesus or someone experiences that grace where God saves us is that you are identifying with, you are immersed in uh, the family of Satan. That's, that's where you identify. He is our master before Jesus. And then what he wants to do, he says, but I want you to make disciples. I want you to go, therefore, right? I want you to, and, and I want you to baptize them. I want to see those people who are identifying with Satan and that family, I want to see them immersed in and actually identifying with the family of God. And so the whole context there is that I want you to be the people of God who are sent out to proclaim my truth, baptizing in the name of the Father and Son of Holy Spirit, wanting to see people identifying, immersed in, within a family of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 
And so that's where, in essence, right here, he's talking simply about the whole concept of, of having people become the sin people of God who proclaim the gospel, evangelism. Evangelism. This is, this is how God reveals himself in the present, in our world now, right, with the supreme disclosure of that, of that act in the past. And I want to propose to you, this is a very important topic because I see Satan's, the lives of Satan really using uh, lulling Christians asleep for some reason. This issue, evangelism, sharing our faith, proclaiming the gospel to other people so that they might experience the salvific grace of Christ, this is something that's very difficult for us to continue to see be a normal rhythm in our life. And I'm proposing the reason why is because Satan wants to continue to lie to us and to keep us from realizing how absolutely important it is for you and me to be people who are equipped and who are actually being faithful in sharing our faith and telling other people about Jesus. In fact, I want to propose to you that I would say, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with spiritual disciplines. Uh, I would say to you, and if I was able, I was telling a group earlier today, if I was to write a book, I, I'm convinced that, that evangelism in itself um, is almost, as it were, a spiritual discipline. You think about it, uh, when someone tells you to, it's interesting, someone tells you to read your Bible or pray, uh, you, don't, you don't see that as optional uh, to being a Christian, right? Uh, you don't see it as like, well, you know, I, should, I, I don't do it, and it's, you know, but I'm still I'm okay. You, you, you see it as paramount. You see it as it's part and parcel. Uh, for some reason, when we think of evangelism, we don't want to admit it, but nominally the way we act, we act as if evangelism is one of those things where it's like kind of optional. And I want to propose to you that it's so important that it should actually, it sh- we should see it as almost a spiritual discipline that is actually important to the, uh, for the necessary diet of the believer. Let me, let me actually uh, prove it to you if I can. I want to talk about the case uh, that evangelism, evangelism should be a spiritual discipline. This is what spiritual disciplines are. Spiritual disciplines. The spiritual disciplines are those practices found in Scripture that promote spiritual growth among believers in the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Um, and here are some of the kind of descriptions when you think about a, a spiritual discipline, such as uh, Bible reading, right, or prayer, uh, things of that nature, uh, fasting. Uh, first, if you think about spiritual discipline, the Bible prescribes both personal and interpersonal spiritual discipline. So basically, you know, if it's, if it's encouraging, encouraged through a personal journey or if it's happening interpersonally. Obviously, evangelism is an interpersonal uh, connection. Spiritual disciplines are activities. They're not attitudes, but they're actually activities. You have to actually do something, right? They're things you do. They are not just character traits. Uh, they're not just simply graces. Uh, they're not even fruit of the Spirit, as it were. They are things you do. Um, spiritual disciplines is that, uh, are things that we, we are talking about, things that, uh, that are practiced and actually modeled and taught in the Bible. I think all of this falls in line uh, with this concept of evangelism. In fact, spiritual disciplines um, are found in Scripture are they're sufficient for knowing and experiencing God and for growing in Christ-likeness. I'm going to talk about it in a moment, but you think about it. When we share our faith, I, I'm convinced of this, you know, that, that so much is happening. Uh, not only just that person experiencing and hearing uh, the good news of Jesus Christ, but, man, when you share your faith, when you're telling other people about Jesus, so much is happening in you. God does a redemptive work in your heart in so many ways. Spiritual disciplines are things that are derived from the gospel. 
uh, they're not divorced from the gospel. And they, what they do is when you're, you're interacting with them and doing them, uh, they uh, provide you and give you a deeper uh, understanding and, and allow you to dive into a deeper understanding of, of Christ. And spiritual disciplines aren't um, a means. Um, they are means and not ends. The purpose of practicing the disciplines uh, actually brings you toward godliness. Um, I, bring, I, 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 I say those uh, seven facets because I want to show how important uh, this concept of evangelism is, or the concept of you and I actually talking to another person about who Jesus is and helping them understand how they can have a relationship with Christ and how that's doing something extremely redemptive in that person's heart, but also in your heart, and how it actually is affecting the community. Here's a couple um, things that I want to propose to you that how it affects actually our community as we think about evangelism. I think it should be a necessary part of, of our spiritual, spiritual walk. When we do evangelism, when you are out and you're talking to people about the gospel, uh, first, it, it actually reflects God's image. It allows you to, uh, to retell the story of the gospel. When you think of the fact, you know, I was talking to a, 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 a student earlier today, and we were talking about the Old Testament. You think of the fact of how we get to retell the story of Christ. So you think the, the, the people of God, uh, Jesus, I mean, God creates people, and then we sin. Um, but God in his grace, what he does, he chooses uh, a people group. You know, and you ask yourself, well, why did, he choose, why did he choose the Israelites? You know, he chose the Israelites because of grace. There's nothing they had done. He chose them. But why did he choose them? Well, in essence, we see throughout, we see throughout the Old Testament this continual narrative of the, the, the Israelites being God's people. And as he pours his grace out on the Israelites, as they are obedient to him and he's, and he's being their king and, he's, and they're being his people, that basically all those who are around looking, right, they're supposed to be a light. And they're supposed to see how they interact with the true and living God, how the, living, the true and living God is being faithful to them. They're supposed to see how in the world they, uh, that the, the Lord protects them. And and fights for them. And so everyone's watching this. And when they watch all this, they're supposed to go, oh, my goodness. Like, I'm watching your God, and I see the fake God that I know I made. And guess what? That's fake. You are real. Can your God be my God? That's what's supposed to be happening. And that's what you have when you talk, you talk about being a proselyte. Is that a person? You look at Ruth. Is that an individual sees the true and living God, and they're willing to forsake their culture, they're willing to forsake their fake God in order to experience the true and living God. But instead of that, instead of worship being the context in which the, the children of Israel are being chosen and worshiping God by proclaiming Him through the, to the nations through how they live with God, instead they became elitist. Some not serving God, some saying, hey, we are pure and we are awesome because the true and living God has chosen us. And actually, in essence, the light was thwarted. And then what Jesus does, he comes on the scene and he actually retells that story and says, actually, you are supposed to be the light to the nations, but you haven't been a light to the nations. So what I'll do is I'll be a light to the nations to remodel what you're supposed to be like. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to recreate and make new another people as it were, the new humankind, those who are connected to Jesus, and I'm going to actually give them that mandate again. That as I make you, now you are going to be, as it were, a light to the nations. Those who are called by my spirit, you and me. And now Jesus hasn't failed. He's succeeded. Now we get to retell his story 
And we get to be a light and tell people, don't they see how you love each other and how you're kind to each other and how you, you, you're not cheating on your test. You're not, uh, you're not out here committing crimes. You're, not, uh, you're being faithful uh, to your spouse. And they see how, you're, how you care for the community. And people see how you sacrificially give of yourself. And they, they watch you moment by moment, day by day, living out what does it mean to be God's people. And they see your, your adoration and your love and your absolute commitment to Christ. And they go, man, I'm watching you and I'm watching my life and I just see how all I do is I settle for plastic pearls and I consume, consume, and consume and I watch you and I watch you basically bear this cross and you give, give, give. It looks like that savor you talked about, Jesus. Man, I want your God to be my God. So God gives us that opportunity to retell his story again the way he did. So we get to bear God's image. When we're doing that, in, that, in essence, in Luke, I, mean, I, I got to look at the passage. It just came to my mind when he talks about uh, uh, Satan falling like a, a, like a falling star. We talked about that in class. I remember they were talking about it's almost in a sense when you and I share our faith and we, and we go public and we tell people, no, we say, no, Jesus is king. I want you to know and experience his love. I want you to experience the love of the lamb that was slain for you. When we're doing that in culture, every time we're proclaiming that, no, the world does not have my allegiance. Christ has my allegiance. It's almost like you're punching Satan in the belly. It's almost like you're reminding him, no, my allegiance is to Christ and not this world. It's powerful. And in that, in that moment, we get, to, we get to show that divine character of God. We get to remind people that, no, Jesus Christ has risen. He has his people who are proclaiming that to the world. So important. Evangelism is so important to be part of our necessary diet as we walk with the Lord. We bear God's image. And think about it. When you and I share our faith, as we look at uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the whole baptism, we, we get an opportunity. He's asking us to share our faith. Think what happens practically, just pragmatically. We bear God's image. It builds hope. See, when you go public with your faith, when you're talking to people about Jesus Christ, guess what it does in your own heart? It reminds you of the hope that, that you have within you. The Bible says it. <laughs> have an answer for the hope that's within you, right? When you are telling people about Jesus, I'm telling you, it, God is doing so much in you. And that's why uh, I, write, I talk about this in, in a book I wrote about discipleship. I'm I, I trying to give an example that is God, is he, is he really concerned about just, just people knowing him? Right? He wants worshipers. But I want to propose to you, I don't think he's just about the ends, Right? I don't think he's saying, look, I don't care how y'all do it. I don't care if no one shares their faith. As long as billions of people know me, I'm cool. I don't think that's God's heart. I'm absolutely convinced that's not God's heart. I propose to you as we look through, again, what I just shared with you about what Jesus did as he retold the story of the Israelites. And as he says, just as the Father sent me, as it were, I am sending you. Well, how is he sending us? He's sending us just like the Father sent him. How did the Father send him? He sent Jesus as a missionary to pour out his life and proclaim the good news. I want to propose to you that actually the concept, the, the whole reality of evangelism, God actually in his essence wants that to be formative for us as believers. It's part of the catechesis process. I want to, I want to propose to you that God can, he can, he can, everybody, he can, we can all be in a trance and he can allow us to love him. For some reason, he doesn't do that. He gives us an opportunity to be engaged in that exchange 
where people hear the good news and the Holy Spirit comes upon them and gives them the faith to receive it and they become Christians. And he says, I want you to be a part of that because you being a part of that is going to allow you to experience more of a depth and intimacy of your worship to me. It builds hope. Why do you think Satan doesn't want you to do it? When you keep telling people about Jesus, then you got to think about what do you really believe about Jesus? It builds hope in your life when you go public with something, right? When you actually like, yo, I'm, I'm actually going to talk about Jesus to people. When you actually are going public, guess what it's doing in your own heart? Yeah, people get to, they get to see and hear about the good news of Christ. But also in your own heart, man, it's building faith. As you are telling people about Christ, as you are taking those steps of faith to talk to people that you wouldn't normally talk to, to talk to family members where you might be ostracized, to put your own reputation out there. It builds humility when now you care more about God's glory than your reputation. So now you will tell people even no matter what the cost. See, I can go on and on. God uses this to do a, such a redemptive work in our hearts. No wonder why Satan wants to fool you and me to not train others and to allow us to sit in our houses and not share our faith. No wonder. Right? I mean, think about it. If you knew that there was something that God had placed in the community that for us to go out and use, that it would build their faith and their humility and build hope and build a passion and build their theology and all these things, and you were saying, what would you do? What would you do? You know what I'll do? I try to get people not to share their faith. I try to figure out how to provide excuses and sin patterns and lack of training to allow people to not talk about the King of Kings. It builds faithfulness. Articulation of the gospel. When we're proclaiming the good news and, you know, you talk with individuals you know, I remember I was with uh, uh, Robert Coleman. He's an older dude, master planner of evangelism. Um, and I had the honor of being his TA. And I just remember watching this brother, you know, and he's just, you know, farm boy. But don't, don't get it twisted. Dr. Coleman's a smart dude, you know what I'm saying? And, and I had to figure it out firsthand because we would travel places. And I would laugh because I'm like, this, you know, he's just a, he's a crazy cat. This brother loves the Lord. And, and uh, we would be sitting on a plane, and, I, you know, to the point, it was, it was ridiculous because, you know, I've been training on how to share my faith, so I'm at the point now, it's a stewardship issue. Like, if I don't get in a gospel conversation with you, it's because I didn't want to. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying, staff, right? You know, we've, I've been trained. I know how to get in a gospel conversation. You know how sometimes you just tire? You go, I don't want to share my faith right now. You'd be on a plane, hope they don't ask me what I do. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's how jacked up it is sometimes. I'm just keeping it real, right? Well, this dude, you know, 80 years old, he's still on a plane. I'm like, man, he's going to talk to this dude about the Lord Watch. And I'm tired. I'm trying to hang out. I'm like, we're going to Brazil. Let's hang out. Let's eat. Let's enjoy this, brother, you know? And he's like, hey, man, what's your name? You know, and it's, you know, and sure enough, dude's from Harvard. And, you know, Dr. Coleman, like, whatever, dude. I got degrees, you know? <laughs> well, let's do this, you know what I'm saying? And, Man, they jostled back and forth, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, we're, we're going overseas. This is like, I'm like, this is going to be like five hours, these brothers. And they're going back and forth. But it was, a beautiful, it was a beautiful picture for me because he was so consistent. I'm telling you, whenever we traveled, wherever we went, we sat down before the plane ride or during the plane ride, this man was entering into gospel conversations with people. I mean, he was convinced. 
that it was paramount for people to hear the good news. He was convinced. And you know what I saw too? I thought I saw him be able to listen to these really smart people and they had these questions and for him to be able to hit this apologetic and then talk about the scriptures from this perspective. And I thought, you know, that, that doesn't just happen. Right? We all want to be deep and smart and be able to listen to arguments and be able to hit them where, where it really ministers deeply to them. We just want to get zapped and it happen, right? I want to propose to you, that's, the, that's, that's cool and that seems sexy, but I would say the more unsexy way and the way usually things happen is you work, right? You get in conversations, you look dumb, and you remember, I won't ever say that again, and then you, <laughs> right? That's how it usually really happens, right? When you are in discussion and you're interacting with people and you're just saying, look, hey, God, say, he'll save them, and you just go there and you try to learn. And you grow. And, 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 and evangelism is like a muscle, right? And, that's what, and I propose, I mean, that's what you, you, you're lifting weights. It's almost the more you do it, the more you, the Lord gives you that grace to have the comfortability. And, and not just like, oh, I'm good, but you, you become more comfortable in the gospel. You become more comfortable in the reality that God has to save people. It's so now you interact even more freely. And then you build, that, you build that gospel confidence. And the more you do it, the more you do it. But the more you don't, just like if you... Leave a weight room for a little bit. If you don't work out, you don't run, the more you don't want to do it. Right? And then you know that you know how it is. You're like, man, I got to start back. And how long does it take you to really start back? Because you're down and out because you know you haven't been doing it in a while and you know you've lost just atrophy. Right? You look, hey, we learn a lot. I'm telling you, other-centeredness. Longing for the kingdom. When you're preaching the gospel, when you see all these hurting souls, God builds a longing like, man, Lord, man, I just pray your kingdom come up. Do, do, do something. Compassion for the lost. When you're engaged in lost people, God works in your heart as you're prayerful to build a compassion for the lost. We want to, for God just to give us a compassion for the lost. I want to propose that Romans 12, 1 and 2, the ending is very interesting. It's a whole concept where he's talking about dedication. You can look at it, but I want to propose the whole concept there is we want discernment. And then if we like what God is showing us, we'll be dedicated. But I want to propose Romans 12, 1 and 2 at the end of verse 2. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, actually, you get dedicated, then I'll give you discernment. See, we, we, we want to have, oh, my goodness, we want to have compassion for the Lord. God's like, move in faith. And as you're moving in faith, I'll build your heart. And practically, I've seen that at Detroit. I mean, I went to, we went to Detroit by faith. No zapping. I don't just really like poor folk. I don't, that's not the deal. By faith. And as we minister by faith, God has done a work in my heart and is doing a work in my heart. You get to retell God's story. This is so important. This is why Satan doesn't want us to do it. Now, why don't people do evangelism? Can, I just, can we just camp out there for just a moment? I want to propose people don't do evangelism in a nutshell, and there's a lot of reasons. But here's a few. First, uh, opportunity. Uh, I want to propose opportunity in the sense of a lack of intentionality. When I say opportunity, I'm saying, man, we just feel like, man, I just need more. I, I want these opportunities to engage in my faith. And what I'm telling you is being trained by some unbelievable men in Christ, what I saw is they were intentional and they made opportunity. They made opportunity and they made opportunity for me. And they showed me the opportunity is there. The question is, are you willing to give up your reputation? Are you willing to look dumb for the gospel? Are you willing to put yourself out there? Is this about you or is this about Jesus? Also, accountability. 
You know, like working out in the gym. You know how it is, right? I mean, you want to get swole, right, bros? But you don't want to wake up and go. You know what? You need to have that girlfriend or that dude who's going to say, hey, you ready to go? It's huge. When you have a workout partner, right, who you know, during the days when you don't want to go, they're going to call you. It means the world, right? And see, the thing is we have to have accountability. And I'm going to propose, young leaders, you have been blessed with having staff who are, who, given, who are given the best hours of their day dedicated to saying, I want to see you walk and grow and experience and enjoy Jesus Christ. He's given you that. 99% of the world does not have this kind of training. And it's right before you. There are men and women on your campus right now saying, I want to train you in how to share your faith. And you haven't met with them at all. I just implore you as a brother, I'm, I'm asking you, please, don't let these years go by where you don't utilize these blessings of individuals who are saying, I want to walk with you so that we can experience and enjoy Christ together and make him known on this campus. Take it. Embrace accountability. Run to it so that you might be trained for a lifetime of ministry. Here's a few other reasons. Actually, I need to go. This, I'm sorry. Freedom of evangelism. I, I want to say, um, I think we have a warped view of what successful evangelism is. Uh, let me read a few verses. John chapter 6, verse 44 says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. 1 Corinthians 5, chapter 3, verses 5 through 9 says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you, ha- you believe as the Lord assigned to each. Verse 6, I planted Apollos' water, but God gave the growth. You hear that? So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. But for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. You know what this text is helping us see? I mean, the freedom that you have in evangelism. Think about that. Think deeply about that. Now, as, as churches, we, we want to believe this theologically, but practically we almost live and we do ministry as if we actually bring people to Jesus. And I'm not talking watering and planting, but actually that basically the regeneration happens based on our methods. And it's a lie. And we can't model that to you as we're training you. And so I want to propose one of the ways that we don't, reason why we don't do evangelism, we have, a, we have a sick, we have stinking thinking as it comes to success. And we think there's something that I'm not doing if I'm not seeing output. But I just told you, it's not about your output, especially when God says, you do not provide the growth. And actually, I got a little secret. I love when we, when we share our faith, I love going out with new believers because they always see people come to Christ. That's, I know that's, that's pragmatic, but I'm telling you, that's what I've seen. It's hilarious. It's like I can have all this training and, and, and know how to get in conversations and have my elders. And we go out, right, and, and we articulate the gospel really well and talk about the whole story from creation to new creation. And people are like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And then a little, you know, new, new believer in our body, you know, who barely knows the gospel come bumping along, messing up theology, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Trinity all messed up, you know, just killing it. I'm, not like, oh, I'm like, oh, my goodness. And dude's like... I'll pray. I want to. Yeah, I want to. I want to. I want to pursue. I want to pursue God. I want to come. I want to. You know. I'm like, what? 
You know what God is trying to teach me at that point? He's trying to get this theology in my heart. God gives the growth. So that frees you. That should free you to be able to talk to people, to be able to knock on doors, to be able to engage conversations and know, hey, I'm just, I'm basically, you know, we believe in lordship salvation, right? We're, right, we're, we're covenant people. We, we believe, oh, God knows who he's, he's we're just looking, who, where the sheep at? Right? That's what I'm doing. I'm just, do you, you bad? No. I have to go. Um, here's, here's, I just want to say, I, as your brother, I'm asking you, if you are not connected to staff and you're not pursuing and you're not growing in your faith, you're not being challenged to share your faith, I want to encourage you to place yourself under leadership right now and say, I want to begin when we get back to campus. I want to take steps in being trained on how to share my faith and how for us to build a movement in this community where people have to wrestle with the glory, the glory of Jesus Christ. I'm asking you to do that. And I'm asking you to hold your staff accountable. If they're not out taking you to share your faith, that's part of their job description. Graciously tell them, I want to go out and share my faith. Train me so that I can be an advocate for the lifetime of ministry. By his, please. Lord, would you be exalted? Would you just do a work in us that we would go back to all of our campuses, all of our communities, and Lord, we would just see humble men and women under leadership, learning, growing together, engaging the, co- the community, engaging the students, and seeing people hear the gospel and believe the gospel and grow in Christ both the people who receive Jesus, but also those of us who are proclaiming you, Christ. Do your redemptive work in a full circle with all of us so that you might be exalted in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach Minneapolis. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at newyearsconference.com.